So this week we're learning about the various animals and birds which are kosher, which are not kosher. And although we do things just because God said so, I mean, whatever Hashem told us is kosher is kosher because Hashem said so. Nevertheless, Ramban says that we are what we eat. And we're supposed to learn from what Hashem told us about the things that we could eat and we can't eat, that there's a message. One of the birds they're not allowed to eat is called the bird called Ra'ah. Why is it called Ra'ah? Ra'ah comes from the word Ri'i'ah, to see. And this bird has this gift, it's able to see far, far away. Talmud in Chulun says this bird could be in Babylonia, and from Babylonia it could see all the way to Israel. You can even see a carcass, a nevela in Israel, all the way from Babylonia. Wow. Now, the power of sight is a very powerful thing. And you have the power of vision, you could really be uplifted. And yet, this bird who could see so far away, it's not kosher. The question is, why is this bird not kosher? If it, could, it has such a great gift, it seems to be something that Hashem wants us to have. And the answer is, is that this bird is looking at Israel. And instead of looking at Israel and seeing all the wonderful things to see in Israel, the Western Wall and Yerushalayim and all the people that are there and all the wonderful things that are there, instead of that, what this bird sees is only the, only the negative. It only can see a carcass in Israel. By the way, Eitan, it's a great thing your children are planning to visit Israel instead of living. If you want them to love Israel, it's kind of like the difference between a Zaydi and a Tati. The difference between a Zaydi and a grandfather and a father. Kids love their grandparents, but parents they have ups and downs with. You know why? Because grandparents come to give gifts. But parents, they come and they criticize and they give build and they go back and forth. But your kids go and visit Israel. Oh, we're visiting Israel. It'll be very exciting. They live there. <laughs> All right. Yes. So anyway, so visiting is always good. So there are some people which always can see the negative. That's the problem with this bird. It looks to Israel. What does it see in Israel? It sees a carcass. It sees something which is which isn't good. Everybody makes mistakes. But the as the Torah says, There's no tzaddik that only does good all the time and doesn't have some kind of deficiency. So the question though is, what do you see? Everyone has virtues and faults. What do you see? Think about the story of the spies. Twelve spies go to Israel. Sorry, ten spies go to Israel. Twelve, ten, twelve spies went to Israel. Thank you. Twelve spies go to Israel. They come back from Israel, and ten of them says it's a horrible place. The people there are too strong. They're going to defeat us. They're giants. And we also saw a lot of people which were burying. There were a lot of funerals that were happening when they went to Israel. The reason why people were dying specifically when the spies went to Israel was because God didn't want the giants who were living in Israel to notice the spies, and therefore God caused them to be preoccupied with all the funerals so that the people that were sent to Israel be safe. But instead of seeing this as God protecting them, they said, oh, it's a terrible place, there's so many funerals. They saw the fruit there. And they, oh, look at these huge fruit. The people there are huge. The, pe- the fruit is huge. They're too strong for us. That's what the ten spies saw. The other two spies, Kalev and Yeshua, what did they see? What a wonderful land. What a special land. What a great place. The beautiful fruit. They both saw the same land and they still saw different things. So the message the Torah is telling us by telling us that this bird is in kosher is to say to us that we have to pay attention to the way we see things. Yankel looks at his cup half full. You say Yankel's a, 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 a optimist. Shmerel looks at the, at the cup half empty. You say he's a pessimist. But the truth is a Jew has a different perspective. You know, you know what a Jew does? A Jew takes the cup which is half full 
and he pours it into another cup, which is smaller, and a cup overflows. <laughs> In other words, this, what, what, what that means is very deep. What that means is that sometimes what we're looking at is not our own cup. We're looking at imaginary things that have no relevance to us, and nothing of connection to us, and therefore we get all upset. But the Torah says, who is rich? Someone who's happy with their lot. You look at what the, the circumstances that you're in, and why Hashem put you, and why you put you there, and you realize there's a purpose where you are, and that's the place, Eitan, that's the place for you to be, then you're happy. You see, the cup isn't half full, the cup is overflowing. You're looking at the wrong cup. Find the good in everything. Oh. So, what's wrong with this bird is, why this bird sees this carcass in Israel, what's going on is like this. Baal says, one second, how come the bird is in Babylonia, looking in Israel and seeing a carcass, why can't the bird go to Israel and see a carcass in Babylonia? So the Baal explains that the word Babel, Babylonia, is associated with confusion. Adam she'ena hagun, someone who is not okay, is called Babylonian. So the Talmud says, you only see Adam a person can only see from the thoughts in their heart. They only see what's going on inside themselves, and because of what's going on inside themselves, that's what they picture when they, when, when they, when they go out in the world. Like Yankel. Yankel was driving his car, and he got a flat tire, and he's stuck in the middle of nowhere, and he's thinking, These, if I go to this nearby gas station, they're going to charge me an arm and a leg because they know I'm stuck in the middle of the road. And they're going to charge me for, uh, for everything. They're going to charge me for the tire, they're going to charge me for the service, triple the price. And they're even going to charge you if there's, like a, if there's a bolt on the, on the tire that they have to unscrew. They're going to charge me extra for the wrench they have to use. So Yanka walks in the gas station. He's all fuming. He walks in, keep your wrench. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we all are, are, not we all, but there are many people that they're always in competition. They're always jealous. They're always suspicious. They're always paranoid. They always feel they're the victim of whatever's going on. And they feel that everyone wants to hurt them. And they hurt people around them. They hurt themselves with their ego. They spread negative feelings around everyone around. They put people down. And they, they, they see a whole different reality than everyone else. They're living in a different world. And how is that possible? How can people live in a different reality? The reason right. it's possible is because that's in the Torah. Agamet olam natan libam. Hashem put the whole world, the Torah says, in their hearts. Hashem gives us are really a whole different world depending on what we have in our heart. As we say in the Shema every day, don't go after your, your heart and after your, your eyes. What do you see with your eyes? You see with your eyes what's in your heart. That's what you see. You see something different. Rabbi Slavitsky, I shared the story with you, I think, when he was 21, he went to study in New York by the Rebbe. Before he left, there was this architect who said to him, oh, you're going to New York by the Rebbe? I want you to get a bracha from the Rebbe for me. So okay. He comes back after studying in Yeshiva. Oh, how was New York? New York was great. Did you see the, uh, the Twin Towers, Aleyah Mashalom? He said, uh, no. I didn't see the Twin Towers. Did you see the Statue of Liberty? No. Did you see the Empire State Building? No. Did you see um, the Guinness Book of World Records uh, Museum? You know, with the longest hair and the longest nails? No, I didn't see any of that stuff. Are you sure that you were in New York? You know, because if, if you're into museums, you take a map, the map is a map of museums. So you go to a city, you want to see all museums in that city. If you're into synagogues, your map is where the synagogues are. You look at all the synagogues and say, whatever you're interested in, that's the kind of place you live in. So everyone has a different map. And unfortunately, these people that we're talking about, they have a different map. It's kind of like the difference between a fly and a bee. 
If you take a fly into the most beautiful garden with the most beautiful flowers and you put the fly in the garden, the fly is going to find the garbage, hang out in the garbage. If you take a bee into a desert and there's one little rose somewhere, the bee is going to find that rose. It's not, and bees have it better in life, by the way. Not just they live longer, but, but think about what they're looking for. So, so the Torah is trying to tell us, by telling us about what the issue with this bird, that we have to work on how we look at things. Unfortunately, you find a lot of times in couples, they're married for many years, they're happy with each other, and all of a sudden, they're all of a sudden they get unhappy. It's not that, it's, it's not that something changed. It's not, it's not that anything specific changed. It's that their map changed. And since their perspective changed, so then they look at their husband differently. They're unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of husbands, unfortunately, they, they're angry all the time at their wives. Why are they always angry? They're angry because they're looking at supermodels on television and the internet, and therefore it doesn't matter what their wives do, they're always angry at them because they can't compare it to the, to the imagination that they're looking at all, all, all day. So if you want to change the reality of somebody, you have to change their map. But there's nothing good about the fact, even though it's not a good thing to look negatively at people, but there's a reason why Hashem made us with this, with this, with this skepticism. There's a reason Hashem made us with this ability to see faults in others. The Baal Shem Tov said, whatever you see or hear is a message from God. God's always talking to us. So Hashem is always saying something to you. So if you see a fault in someone, it's also a message from God. Why is God? God creates everything in the world for a reason. Why did God make me notice that fault in that, in that person at this time? There must be a reason. The reason is, as King Solomon says, All faults are covered by self-love. I, because of my self-love for myself, I can ignore all my faults. I can go on and on with my fault and live with myself. Why can I live with myself? Because I love myself. With your faults, I can't live with Why not? The truth is, it doesn't make sense. My faults, I know for real they're there. Your faults, it could be I'm exaggerating, it could be they're imaginary, and yet, my faults I can live with. Why can I live with my faults? Well, I can't live with yours, but mine I can. Why? Because my love for myself prevents me from, from getting annoyed with myself. But with another person, I don't have that, and therefore I could notice their faults. So sometimes, Al-Shantam says, another person is a mirror. When you see a fault in someone else, it's a message from God. You're seeing a fault in someone else, it's because something you have to work on. But the question, and not necessarily you do the same thing, not necessarily you have the same issue as the other person, could be you have it in a much more subtle form. Like the Zohar says a story about someone who desecrated Shabbat. He desecrated Shabbat, and he was looking at himself, why did he desecrate Shabbat? And he discovered that he was guilty of um, taking advantage of a Torah scholar. The, the, the Talmud says that a Torah scholar is considered like Shabbat. He's the same spiritual energy as the day of Shabbat. So using a Torah scholar and for the wrong purpose is taking advantage of someone who studies Torah is considered like desecrating Shabbat in a spiritual way. Because he did that, that ended up in him actually breaking Shabbat. But the question always like this. Okay, that sounds all rosy, all wonderful, and all kumbaya. But the question is, who says that when I see a fault in someone else, it's meant because I have that fault? Maybe the reason I see a fault in someone else is because they have to be fixed. I have to help them fix themselves. Who says it's about me? Maybe it's about them. If I see somebody bothering my family, bothering my community, bothering doing something which is not, not okay, who says that the whole thing is just about me fixing myself? The Baal Shem Tov who said this teaching, did he not rebuke people? Did he not tell people, direct them in life where they need to go? I mean, obviously, it's not always about me. How can you tell when it's about you or it's about someone else? So the Torah says like this, 
Hocheach tochiach etamitacha. Those are the words the Torah uses for rebuke. Shall you criticize? Shall you criticize your 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 nation, your friend? So the word hochiach is written twice. Why is it written twice? Because before I go and rebuke somebody else, I have to rebuke myself. I have to ask myself what's going on in me. What kind of feelings do I have? There was this couple who came to the rabbi because they had some kind of misunderstanding. She was a teacher for many years. And she uh, came late to school every day. She came 10 minutes late to school. A teacher that wasn't, uh, was, no, was ignored for a long time. One day, she's in the, the teacher's lounge, and the principal walks in the teacher's lounge, and the principal sees her, and in front of all the other teachers, he gives her a big mishaberach. He gives her, he <laughs> criticizes her very, very, very detailed, very, very painfully, very. And she comes home, tells us. She tells us the rabbi. She comes and tells the rabbi, and I told my husband what happened, and he said he was right. <laughs> now, he was right, wasn't he? I mean, and the husband was like, I was like, he was right. He was right. You, 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 you paid to come on time and teach these children. You're coming late. There's all these 20 kids in the class, and they're all waiting to study Torah. And, you sh- and, 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 you're, and this is your job. Who is it? What the husband, what the husband is thinking, that there's only two options. He, he's living in a. Either there's fight or there's flight. Either going to tell her the way it is, or not going to say anything. It's, it's a sucker's choice. It's not the way to look at things. There's another option. The other option is, what's the husband feeling when he's what? What's the husband feeling? What should he be feeling when he hears his wife is upset? Right? What's he feeling? I have to protect Tzedek Yosher. I have to protect what's right. He's angry at the violation of what's right and what's just. That's not okay. That's not a healthy feeling even though it comes from a very noble place, what's right and what's just, but it's not important. It's not what Hashem wants him to do. There's a situation. Who cares about right and just? What, how can we fix the situation? It's not about your reaction to what, what's going on. It's not about your yardstick and what measures up against, according to your yardstick of what's right and just and what isn't. It's about there's a situation that's going on and needs to be helped, needs to be fixed. It's the very first thing. You know, if you want to help someone to come better, the very first thing you need to do is, is you need to. Let's just simply study the Gemara, study the Talmud. Look at all different areas in the Talmud and different angles and the Rashi and the Rambam and the Tosfos. So, to another person, if you want to be able to inspire a person, you have to really understand them. So, the very first thing that he needed to do was to empathize. To say, you must have been humiliated when the principal came in and said to you, "How dare you come late? You must have. They must have really hurt you." And when you do that, when you empathize with someone. It allows them to open their heart. When their heart is open, then then you could then you could possibly help them. But if you're not empathizing, who cares about? No one cares what you know until they know. No one cares how much you know unless they know how much you care. There was this guy in Israel. He had on his in his in his um, living room. He had a sign. The sign was Aleph Bet Lamid with an acronym. What what does that mean? Aleph Bet Lamid with a Roshet Tevot. Someone comes in and says, what's this? He says, you know, sometimes, once in a while, I get angry, my wife gets angry, we're upset. So we remember what we just said in the Mincha, Aval, Anachon Chatanu, we made mistakes, we made mistakes, we need a Kapara, Aval, Anachon Chatanu, it's okay, we need a Kapara, this is a Kapara. He says, yeah, but what's the acronym? What's the Rashi Tevot? Aval stands for, Ani Bechaluk Lavan, I need to wear a white coat. What does that mean? God forbid a child goes, he hurts himself, Today I took my son to uh, Baruch Hashem, he's better. 
but he hurt his tendon. He thinks like he's in the NFL, he's playing football. You know, like he, who hurts his tendon? A ten-year-old kid. Anyways, Rakhim is fine. So, so, so uh, when you when, when you go to a doctor and your kid hurts himself, the doctor say, "Shouldn't have done that. Why are you playing football? How can I help you?" That's what the doctors. That's a doctor worth his salt does. Doesn't start criticizing and asking why are you doing this, why are you doing that. He's there to help. So too, when someone in your life is going through a hard time and they're upset, instead of you being the voice of, of justice and saying, how dare you feel that way? Well, you need, the first thing you need to do is, I need to help this person, the person going through something. I need to help. Take yourself out of the arena that you're in and take yourself out of the, the, the um, uh, things which are being catapulted at you and the criticism you're feeling. Realize, go above. Someone's, someone's now upset. I am here to help. So what this guy should have done, he should have said to his wife, hey, you have a lot to do in the morning. I'm going to be there in the morning to help you so that you can get on your day, so you could be there on time. Their issue was that he didn't know what his role was. So uh, I, think, I think my time is running out, so I'm going to go very quickly. All right, so um, there was a woman, she asked the Rebbe, she asked the Rebbe, how can the Rebbe have the strength to give out dollars every Sunday? Every Sunday, if you know, they will give out dollars to thousands of people. You got a dollar also. So, if you would try to do the same thing the Rebbe is doing, you know, give out a dollar, just put your hand like this for a half an hour, stand on your feet, and, and put your hand out like this, again and again like this, just do that. How come, you couldn't do it for half an hour, for an hour. I don't know how you do that. Eight hours, sometimes. Eight hours. Yes? So a woman, you were there a few times. I was I was also. Wow. So so somebody asked the Rebbe, how do you do it? How do you do it? You know what the Rebbe answered? The Rebbe answered, when you count diamonds, you don't get tired. So the question is, someone as someone, someone as, as a uh, one rabbi said, he said, that's not true all the time. <laughs> depends. It depends. It depends. If I'm counting your diamonds, I get tired. <laughs> if I count my diamonds. I don't get tired. So for the Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Rebbe loves every Jew. And that's why the Rebbe sent all these, all these emissaries, all these shluchim all over the world. The Rebbe, you know, cares about them. That's right. What's em- that? Emissaries. You can't tell me a good word and not explain it. Schnur's the new one. Okay. The new word I want you to learn is the word shluchim. Shluchim. Shluchim is emissaries. The Rebbe sent to Zimbabwe and to Australia and to Jamaica and to anywhere in the world that there are Jews. He sent someone to be there to help the Jews there. Right. So this is called Shlokum and Shnurs. <laughs> I think that's a great name. Yeah, Where does it yeah, come from? Where does it come from? It comes from a real feeling of love. That's where it comes from. And that's where he's going to help people which you've never seen of, never heard of. There was this girl who, she didn't get along with her dad. She didn't get along with her Torah. She didn't get along with Shabbat. She didn't get along with kosher. She didn't get along with any of this stuff. So her father asked the rabbi, what do I do with my daughter? She's not keeping Torah. Should I kick her out of the house? I wanted to deal with the shayipab. The rabbi said, you don't kick the child out of the house. What you should do is make some rules in your house that she has to abide by that, that make your house work. All right. What rules? So one of the rules he made was a curfew. Curfew is you have to come home at 12 o'clock. One night she comes home at 12.05. All right, 12.10. One night she comes home at 1 o'clock in the morning. Building an apartment building. She said, okay, you can't come in. You're not, not, not going to let me come in my own house? No, you can't get to stay outside. She's, she's outside. And her father comes back with a pillow, with a blanket, with a mattress. So what's this? He'll be outside, but he's going to sleep. Then he comes back. 
with a tray of her favorite food, of eggs and vegetables, favorite thing that she likes to eat. So what's this? It's time for dinner. You're hungry. You need to eat. <laughs> then a few minutes later, comes back with a gemara and a chair. He says, what's oh, this? Easy. What's this? <laughs> you think I let my daughter sleep her by herself? She changed from one extreme to another extreme. She completely, why'd she change? She changed because she felt the love of her father. She felt my father really cares about me. It's not just about rules. He has some kind of dogma he's trying to follow. He really cares about me. And that, that caused her to change. There's a rule about someone who has spoken Lashon Hara, someone who spoke negative about another person. The halacha is, he's asked that he, God forbid, if, if used to be a disease, doesn't we don't have this nowadays, called Tzarat. Someone spoke Lashon Hara about someone else. They got this disease called Tzarat. And if you got that disease, you had to be outside the camp. When you went outside the camp, you had, when anyone came near you, you had to say, Tamei, Tamei, Tamei. The simple reason is, Tamei means impure. There's a new word. What's the word? Tamei. All right. Tamei. Why well, have to say that word? Because you have to, you're saying, you're saying, I am Tamei, stay away. Like, um, I, I got, you know, I got Corona or something like that. You know, that, that's, what, that's what it means. But there's a, deep, there's a deeper reason. Deeper reason the Shalah says, you've got to go outside the camp. You have to examine why is it you spoke about other people. You know what we do? Why do we speak about other people? We speak about other people, sometimes the reason is, is because you feel low in yourself. And what you feel better about yourself is by pushing another person down, by criticizing another person. That's why you, you say, you say these, these harsh words of rebuke. You, you're looking for a fault in another person because you feel low in yourself. Like Amir Shapiro said, the bird is in Babylonia and he sees, he sees a carcass in Israel. Israel, he said, represents Torah scholars. Some people, they only notice faults in religious people. Some people, they're always looking at the news. When, they, when does that religious guy guilty of that crime? Then they want to talk about it. Why, why are they only talking about the religious people? Because the, the, when, when someone is like, has a leg up on them in some way spiritually, they want to like justify things. Therefore, they ah, you know that guy? That one says he's so holy, so from They don't want to feel that they're lower than them. And therefore, they try to, try to point out the, their fault. Sometimes when someone does you a favor, specifically someone helps you a lot, sometimes because a person does you a favor, you want to criticize them more. Like Yankel, he learns how to cut diamonds from Shmero. Whole year, Shmerel is thinking Yankel how to cut diamonds. At the end of the whole year, Shmerel gives Yankel a gift. The teacher gives the student a gift. What's a gift? The gift is this ashtray. And the ashtray has these little pebbles they use to, to put out the cigarettes. He says, what's this? I don't smoke. I should give you a gift. Why are you giving me a gift? He says, listen, anybody I do a favor for, anybody I help, they always throw rocks at me. When it comes your turn, throw small rocks. Don't, don't throw big rocks. I'll include one last story that you guys know. True story. There's a boy. Okay, I'll tell you two stories. Sorry, two. Sorry, two more stories. Uh oh, uh oh. I gave me a look. Okay, we'll go very quickly. Yankel is six years old, and unfortunately, he swallows a, a coin. He swallows a quarter. Poor Yankel. Yankel, little boy. And so the, he starts screaming. He can't breathe. His older brother Shmerel is looking at this whole thing. How they're trying to get the coin out of their brother. Trying to get the coin out. And they're pulling upside down, they're doing uh, Heimlich maneuver, CPR, whatever they could do. And the kid is screaming, he can't breathe. And finally, finally, after whatever they do, they get the coin out. So the older brother, 10 years old, goes over to his father and mother. He says, Dad, Mom, I don't want any candies anymore. I don't want any cookies anymore. I don't want any treats. I don't want any allowance. I don't want any birthday presents. I don't want any birthdays. What happened? He says, I see how the situation, the financial situation in our home is so hard. If you did such an effort to help to get that quarter, if you cared so much about that quarter, <laughs> it must be that the finances are terrible. Corruption got all the quarters. So, 
So sometimes you, people are looking for a fault in another person. Why do they need to see that fault in another person? Because they don't see the fault in another person, they're not, they, they don't feel good in themselves. If they put the other person down, they oh, I'm okay. That's just whack, man. That's the way, unfortunately, that's, that's human nature. The Tzadik of Kamarna said this, says in the Torah, in Gimon, Bamidbar, Al Yisrael Gavosei. God has pride in the Jewish people. Says the Kamarna Tzadik, there is no Jew that God does not have pride from. God has pride in the most person you would think is the most despicable person, says the Kamarna Tzadik. God has pride in every, per, in every one of us. And yet, if you look at another person, and you deride them in your heart, and you look at them negatively, says the Kamarna Tzadik, Hashem can't stand that. Instead, Hashem wants us to look, to connect ourselves with other people, and to see the good in other people, and not to let those other thoughts, and other explanations of looking negatively at the person to enter our minds. And they do, as the Alter says in Tanya, the thought, that negative thought of another person comes into your mind, the Alter says you should push it away like smoke. Push it away like, like, like the, the, worst, the worst thing in the world. And what does the Torah tell us? People think you'll, people like you more if you, do, if you criticize people. They don't like you more. They look down at you if you criticize people. When you look good in another person, people want to be around you, become popular. And now when you become popular, it's tov ayin hu yiverach. A good eye has a power to give brachas. So Hashem and Shabbos all have a good eye. We see good in each other. And we're doing this to bring in the brachas for each other and our families. All am Yisrael. See the main bracha. The main bracha. Be as Mashiach right now, today. L'chaim. Amen. L'chaim. 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 L'cha